Thank you, Jesus, uh, Jika, for thank, thank you, Jesus. That's okay. We are all to embody the presence of Christ, aren't we? Thank you, thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Jika, too. <laughs> all right. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. Glad you're here today. We welcome everybody, and it's good to to see your smiling faces on this bright, sunny day. One of these days, spring will arrive and stay here. I have faith. One of these days, but not today. But glad you're here today. We welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially. You're you're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and welcome you and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together this morning. Let me remind everyone of our attendance uh, sheets on, the, on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to uh, take that and fill it out and uh, give us a record of your attendance. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. And we have uh, several announcements I'd like to bring to your attention. Our Lenten, we have begun the season of Lent, and our Lenten lunch uh, series has begun. This is something, a tradition that we have here in, in Henderson that's been going on, I don't know how long, longer than I've been here, um, but it's where, where the different churches in Henderson, different denominations, gather together for lunch on Wednesdays, every Wednesday during the season of Lent. And we share a uh, brief worship experience, about a half an hour, and then we share lunch together. It's a great experience. We started this past Wednesday at uh, First Christian Church. There were approximately 185 people there on Wednesday, and, uh, and so it was a great start. This week, we will be here at Community Baptist Church, Wednesday at noon. And so we invite all of you to come and be a part of our Lenten lunch on Wednesday. We'll be sharing in worship together, and then we'll be sharing with, with uh, our meal together. And speaking of our meal, we could use your help. And uh, Jerry Wagner is uh, so gracious to, to, to bring this together and to organize everything. And so if you, would, if you would like to volunteer, please see Jerry, and I'm sure she could put you to work. Uh, and we do need some volunteers for Wednesday, and, we, and any help would be appreciated. Um, uh, speaking of Wednesday, we will be having our Wednesday activities on Wednesday night. We'll be having our, our Bible study. And I'm going to be beginning a, uh, a series of studies um, on Wednesday about Lent and about some of the aspects of Lent, uh, the season of fasting, a season of, uh, of, of, of uh, focusing on the suffering of Christ. And so we'll be doing that on Wednesday nights. But this Wednesday, we will not be having dinner. So don't come at 5.45 for dinner. Well, you can if you want to, but bring your own. Um, <laughs> and that may be something you want to do. Right? That'd be good if you'd like to do that. Bring, bring your own sack lunch or sack dinner, and, and we could share that together if you would like to. But we're not serving uh, on Wednesday because we're serving at lunch. And, and uh, you know, enough is enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, Easter Fest is coming up on April the 12th, so uh, put that on your, your calendar. And uh, we'll be looking forward to that. And then there are some meetings this afternoon as well. We're glad that you are here today and, uh, and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way. And so now let me invite you to stand and let us greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Is that for me? Tim. Tim. Testing one, two. Join me in our responsive reading. O oh God, we know the mistakes we have made. We know how everything can be going along fine on the outside, 
and then our wrongs are revealed, and nothing is right. You know that we hide from you and from others. You know that we have done and what we've forgotten to do. You know how we have hurt others, and in doing so, we have hurt ourselves and you. O oh God, forgive us. Cleanse us through tears and prayer. May we reach out to accept your grace. May we be instruments of your love and healing. May we be truthful and in harmony with our purposes. May we identify our sisters and brothers in need and stand by them, no matter how much harder their lives may be than ours. Give them grace and hope for those who days. For all who are hurt inside, for all who love so much, for all who need our compassion, for all who need forgiveness and need to forgive, for all of us, we ask your presence. Walk with us, O God. Give us strength to finish the journey with you. Amen. Today's scripture is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, for that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Girls, I think I'm hooked up. Yes, I am. do we have this morning? Get some sleeping in now. Here they come. 
He came to your school? Oh, I came to your school. Yes, I've been in a lot of schools lately. I don't think I learned enough when I was in elementary school. I had to go back. Good morning. Thank you for being here. It's good to see your smiling faces. My name's Greg. Sometimes I forget who I am, so I've got this shirt on that says, Hello, my name is... What? No, it doesn't say Greg. I don't think it does. It says, I'm a child of the one true king. I was at Matthew West concert last night. Did any of you all go? Yeah, you did. I saw you there. Wasn't he cool? Yeah, I've been, I've been singing and humming his tunes all day today. A countdown until you got back? Oh, until he got back. Yes, there was a, a clock up there. Well, I want to talk to you today about one of my favorite subjects. And John just mentioned it and what he was reading in the scripture today. Guess what it is? Food. I love food. I love recipes. I love to cook. John loves to cook. There's a lot of people in here who love to cook. But I like to eat, too, as much as I like to cook. So, you know, you like to go to restaurants and have great recipes and, you know, get around a table with your friends. You know, Nibby's got a new device. It's called a Nutribullet. And he's drinking his food these days. Yeah, it's green always. You got, your dad has Nutribullet? Do you like it? It's brown. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, did you put the stuff in it? Does it turn green or brown? You can put all kinds of fruit. It turns brown. Okay. Have you tasted it? You taste it all the time? Pretty good? Yeah. Well, that's part of food. Uh, you know, almost every Sunday after church, Nibby and I go over to my mom's house and she cooks a homemade meal. And that's some good food. That's some good food. Yeah, Wyatt. You like Hot Pockets? Yeah, I, I like Hot Pockets, too. Those are really hard to make, aren't they? <laughs> well, last night there was two boys at the Matthew West concert, and their names were Darren and Davis. And they were hanging out in my office back at the Fine Arts Center in the hallway. And guess what we were talking about? Food. They asked me, Greg... We're going to get up and we want to go to brunch tomorrow in Evansville. And this was some of the Matthew West entourage. Where can we go eat? So I gave them a list of restaurants. So there you go. Food again. You know, when I lived in Orlando 20 years ago, there was a great southern soul food restaurant called Johnson's Diner. that had some of the best cornbread and corn and fried chicken. And I still haven't forgotten about that place. It was about food. Now, what goes along with food? Where do you eat food at? Where do you eat food at? A restaurant. You're very, very good. Where, where in a restaurant do you eat food, Wyatt? Shoney's. Okay. All right. We're, we'll get there. We just have to connect these dots. What do you set in at a chair around to eat food? A table. Ding, 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 ding. We got it. Very, very good. So now I want to switch. And talk about tables. You know, we've got a table with some food on it over here today. And on the front of that table, it says, in remembrance of me. And we were just reading some scripture today that John read about the food that's being served on this table. And the sermon today that Dr. Tim was preaching is called soul food. So that's some very, very super important food that's on that table that Jesus first served to us at a, at a table that's up on that picture behind the choir, I think it is, yes, called the Last Supper. 
Last Supper. You know, Jesus is in the center and all the disciples are on the side. And they're eating what's on this table, which is a gift from God to us. So, as you grow older and you learn more about this food, or if you want to find out more about it, ask your parents or ask Dr. Tim or ask one of the deacons. And we would love to tell you about that food that is awesome. It's, a, it's the best superfood in the world. Okay? Will you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children. And we thank you for the life that they bring to this church. May we walk alongside them and be examples of your grace, love, and kindness. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. tells us that when we come to your table, you tell us, this is my body, which is for you. Period. It doesn't say this is for you when you're perfect. This is for you when you've done it right. This is for you when you've got it all together. What you tell us is this is for you. So thank you for sacrificing yourself for us, even in the depths of being who we are, human. 
So, God, we offer ourselves back to you, sinful and imperfect human. Thank you for loving us. Now take what we give and use it so that others will know this is your body and your blood for them. Amen. There was a great movie that uh, came out about five or six years ago called Soul Food. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but in the movie, Mama Jo, uh, the mother of an an African-American family, held her family together for more than 40 years around the weekly Sunday dinner of Soul Food. There was fried chicken, smothered pork chops, turnip greens, cabbage, mashed potatoes and gravy, macaroni and cheese. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I know, I I shouldn't be torturing you so close to lunchtime. But but one day, Mama Jo got sick. She had to go to the hospital. So guess what happened? The dinners stopped. And the family started to fall apart. Her daughter started fighting with one another, and they were on the verge of never speaking again. And and finally, Mama Jo's grandson, Ahmad, cooked up a scheme to bring the family back together again, back to the table again. Because it's around the table that the family enjoys not only food for the body, but also food for the soul. And it's around the table that they come together as a community who cares for one another and who loves one another and accepts one another in spite of their differences. But when they're no longer gathering around the table, they're just lone individuals fighting for their own individual rights, seeking their own individual power, and forgetting about the needs of each other. 
But around the table, they're family. Around the table, they love and accept one another, and they become community. Well, today we are celebrating what could very well be the most famous family dinner in history. It is a meal for the family of Jesus Christ. And so today we put aside all of our differences. And today we put aside all of our worldly concerns and we focus all of our attention and affection fully on the head of our family, Jesus Our scripture lesson for today is the earliest description that we have of this family meal. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, says Paul. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I think there are several things that we need to notice about Christ's last meal with his disciples this morning. And I think that the first thing we need to see is that this is a table of remembrance. This is a table of remembrance. This morning, we are remembering the sacrifice that our Lord Jesus made in our behalf. This is my body, which is given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, this is a table of remembrance. And, it's, and remembering is, is an important thing for all of us to do. The Associated Press carried an article a while back about a man named Brian Rooney, who is a, a science teacher. But it's what he does on the side that caught their attention. You see, he has spent thousands of his own dollars and hundreds of his own hours memorializing those who have died on our nation's battlefields. So far, he has cataloged over 8,600 memorials across 50 states. His mission began in the Vietnam War with a, a promise that he made to a dying soldier there. He was a, a young army medic at the time, and he was leaning over a dying soldier who had been mortally wounded, trying to read the name on his dog tags, when the soldier whispered two simple words to him. Remember me. And so Rooney promised that soldier that he would remember him, and that promise grew into an obsession. Rooney now spends much of his time cataloging memorials for the war dead, making sure that they are cared for and that they are remembered. And he does this because he knows that remembering is important. And it is important for us to use this time of communion together today to remember. In fact, as Greg brought to our attention a few moments ago, there are communion tables all over the world, and on almost all of the communion tables all across the world, you will you will find inscribed in different languages the simple phrase, in remembrance of me. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And that's what the Lord's Supper is all about. Do this in remembrance of me. That wonderful British preacher and author, Leslie Weatherhead, who I had the privilege of meeting when I was a freshman in college, just a year before he died. He told a story once about a little boy who was admitted into an orphanage after his parents were killed. And one of the first items on the agenda was to find him a new set of clothes. And so he was given a new pair of pants and a new shirt, a pair of shoes that shined so brightly that he could see his face in them. And then he was given a new cap but he wouldn't take it. He hung on to his old cap, which was dirty and and worn and torn. And so finally the sister was able to coax him to just try on the new cap. And when he did, he liked it. But then he did something very unusual. He reached inside his old cap and he tore out the lining and placed it in his pocket. Well, when the sister saw this, he he asked the boy what, what he was doing and he said, That lining is a part of my mother's dress. That's all I have left of her. And somehow it seems to bring her back. You see, remembering is important. Remembering those who gave their lives for us and remembering those whose love for us was so important to who we are. And all of this, of course, is tied up in our remembrance of Jesus Christ. Because, my friends, he died for us. And the reason he died for us is because he loved us even more than our own mother and father. And we dare not forget that sacrifice and that love that he showed to us on that cross. It is a table of remembrance. But it is also a table of reconciliation. John writes in his first epistle, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so at this table, we, we come together as those who have been reconciled to God and with one another. Each year during the climbing season on Mount Everest, just about a thousand feet from the top of the mountain, a 24-year-old Israeli law student named Nadav ben Yehuda noticed lying on the side of the path there a 64-year-old Turkish man named Aydin Irmak. He was lying there in the snow. He had no gloves. He had no oxygen. He had no shelter. And climbers know that at the 26,000 feet mark, it begins the infamous death zone where the lack of oxygen makes it almost impossible to sustain human life for any length of time. And exposure in this death zone will quickly lead to acute mountain sickness, hypothermia, and most often, death. And yet other climbers on Mount Everest just kept trudging past Irmak in their quest for the summit. But in the death zone of Mount Everest, there is no time for inaction. And so in an instant, Nadav ben Yehuda relinquished his bid for the summit and put all of his efforts into rescuing Irmak. Nine hours later, he arrived at the base camp, having saved the life 
of Aydin Irmak. Now, what makes this story even more remarkable is the fact that Turkey and Israel are two nations who have long had a relationship that is icier than the slopes of Mount Everest. So you see, this truly is a, a good Samaritan story here. And, and so Nadav's act of heroism not only saved a life, but it also created a bridge between two countries that had bad blood between them. And when he was asked why he relinquished his, his dream of conquering Mount Everest to help a stranger, Nadav had a, had a simple but interesting answer. He said, it's because we shared a meal together. We shared a meal together. And you, and you know, if you think about that, it's true. There's something, and I can't play, place my fingers on it. I don't know what it is, but there's something about breaking bread with someone that cuts across those things that, that normally separate us. That's why Will Williman was right when he said that the segregationists in the Old South were really pretty smart. They were wrong, but they were pretty smart because they knew that they had to keep blacks away from the lunch counters. You see, they knew that when you sit down to eat with someone, even at a lunch counter, you have to admit they're human. Max Lucado, in his book titled Outlive Your Life, tells about a friend of his, Buckner Fanning, who uh, is a great man and went on to establish wonderful uh, ministries in Texas, but he was a he served as a Marine in World War II, and Fanning was was stationed in Nagasaki three weeks after the atomic bomb was exploded there. It was a terrible scene of total de uh, devastation, but then as there was a scene of horror in that scene of horror, this young Marine found an oasis of grace. Because while he was patrolling through the narrow streets of Nagasaki, he came across a sign that bore an English phrase on it. It said, Methodist Church. He took note of where it was and he told himself that he would come back there on Sunday morning. And when he did, he entered into a partially collapsed building. All of the windows were shattered. The walls were buckled. And that young Marine stepped through the rubble, unsure about how he would be received. And he said when he went in there, about 15 or so Japanese men and women were setting up chairs and, and removing debris. And when this uniformed American soldier entered their midst, they stopped, they turned, and they looked at him. He only knew one word in Japanese, and he heard it. Brother, brother. Buckner said they welcomed me as a friend. And the power of that moment still resonates with me more than 60 years later. They offered him a, a seat. He opened his Bible and not understanding a single word of the sermon, he sat there and he observed. And, and, and during communion, they brought him the bread they brought him the cup, and in that quiet moment, the enmity of their nations and the, and the pain of war were set aside. They were set aside as one Christian served another Christian, the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus.
and another wall came tumbling down. So you see, this is not only a table for remembering, it is also a table of reconciliation. And finally, this is a table for receiving. This is my body which is given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. My friends, you are invited to receive Christ today in the breaking of the bread and the, and the taking of the cup. A few years ago, a woman named Sarah Miles walked into a church and she says that she's never been the same since. She, she talks about that experience in her book titled, Take This Bread. She said, one early cloudy morning when I was 46 years old, I walked into a church, ate a piece of bread and took a sip of wine. A routine Sunday activity for tens of millions of Americans, except, except that up until that moment, I had led a thoroughly secular life. At best, I was indifferent to religion, and more often I was appalled by its fundamentalist crusades. This was my first communion, and it changed everything. The mysterious sacrament turned out to be not just a, a symbolic wafer, but actual food for me. Indeed, the bread of life. I took communion. I passed the bread to others. And then I kept going. And boy, did she. She kept going at that very church where she received that first communion, St. Gregory's Church in San Francisco. And now she distributes groceries to hungry people almost every day. On Sunday mornings, people gathered around the, the altar to pass the bread and to share the cup. And during the week, Sarah and her friends pass out food from the, the very same altar where she had tasted the bread. Within just a few years, she and people who had received food started nearly a dozen other food pantries in the poorest parts of their city. And folks, let me tell you something. This has happened all throughout the ages. At the table of Christ, they have not only seen, but have tasted Christ's love for them. And this has led them into helping other hungry people find the table of Christ as well. So you see, this is a table of remembering, and it's a table of reconciliation, and it is a table of receiving. This is my body, which is given for you. This is the new covenant in my blood. A prominent pastor from years ago once stated the importance of, his, of this meal in a memorable way. He told about visiting in the palatial home of one of his members, and as they stood in the beautiful walnut-paneled library, he saw an, an oval painting of an old-fashioned girl on the wall, and the, the host pointed to the painting and said, That's my mother. And then as tears began to well up in his eyes, he said, I never knew her. She died in childbirth when I was born, and, and someday when I get to heaven, after seeing my Savior... I want to see the face of my mother. The, fact, the pastor later wrote, I could have exclaimed, that's not your mother. It's just a piece of paper and cardboard with, covered with ink. But I didn't say that. I knew what he meant. That picture represents my angel mother. I never saw her, but someday in heaven, I will see her face to face and love her aboundingly 
for giving her life for me. And then he said, that's exactly the way it is with our Lord, with our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is his body. And this is his blood. And it clearly represents to us our wonderful Lord. Until that beautiful day in heaven when we will see him face to face. And we will be able to thank him face to face for giving his life for us. Remembering. Reconciling. Receiving. Are you ready to receive the body of Christ? Are you ready to receive his blood? We come here today as the family of Christ and we remember God's selfless love for us and for all people. Amen. And now let us receive the body and the blood of Christ. Let us partake of the Lord's Supper. And we will do so by intincture. If I'll ask our deacons to come on and, and prepare our table for our Lord's Supper. And, um, and as they are preparing, uh, let me explain to you our procedure here. We'll begin with the back rows and invite you to come forward down the middle aisle. There will be two of us standing here with, uh, with bread, one on each side. And then to their side, uh, they will be standing with the cup. And we'd like to ask you to come forward and take a piece of bread and then move to the side and dip it into the cup. And, uh, and then after you have dipped it into the cup, you take and eat it and return to your seats from the side. We will also have some deacons who are in the back and moving forward. Uh, if there's anyone here who would like to receive the traditional method of, of the Lord's Supper, or if you find it difficult coming forward, uh, then they will be glad to serve you at your seat as well. And so let us prepare for the Lord's Supper.
God is in this place. And it is in this place, around this table, that we remember the Lord's death, that we are reconciled with one another and with God, and we receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful experience and what a wonderful what a wonderful way to share the love of the family of Christ. Let us sing together now our closing hymn. Jesus, our Lord and our King, will sing all four verses. I was told that uh, we could use a little help uh, moving some chairs this, this afternoon, and so if you are able body and willing, uh, oh, we're not. Okay. They, they need to stay. Okay. I've been, tell, I've been told different things. Somebody hang around and tell us what to do, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, let, let's bow our heads for our benediction. Let us go and remember what we have experienced here today. Jesus died for you. Let us go in the joy of our salvation. You have been reconciled with God. Now be reconciled with each other. And let us go and continuously receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as you receive this grace, may you also share it. Go, for God goes with you. Amen. Amen.